To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, Episode 9. We back, man, and the LA Lakers are the champions of the world, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We did it, man. We did it. 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 Hey, man, I'm trying. I'm going to try my best to not make this episode all about that. I'm going to try. I'm going to try, but um, look for subtle hints throughout the podcast, so uh, get ready for it. But we in week nine, man. We got uh, episode nine. We're going to talk about a lot of good things here today outside of the Lakers being world champions. I mean, what else matters? But uh, yeah, man, we're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the NBA uh, playoffs to recap the bubble and its completion. We're going to recap the Lakers series um, versus the Heat. Game six, all the way back. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the NFL and how they're struggling with COVID. We're going to talk about some interesting uh, changes in personnel that we've had from a coaching perspective in two teams this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bears Thursday night upset about the, from the Bucks. They beat Tom Brady's Bucks. I also want to talk about Bill Belichick um, and his uh, defensive prowess and his evil genius. Raiders upset the Chiefs this week as well. Um, I definitely want to send condolences out to Dak Prescott, man. He hurt himself today and. uh it was rough, man. It was rough to see. Dak's a really good guy, man. I, I really wanted to see him do big things and get his money. And um, it's going to be an uphill battle, man. He's, you know, he's had a season engine injury, had to have media surgery, and uh, it was rough to see, rough to watch. And for Dallas Cowboy fans, I, 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 my my prayers and condolences go out to you as well. And I hope that gets back, you know, better than ever. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, Miami and their their decisions to go forward with their uh, stadium seating. Uh, we do team who watch out for. We'll talk about for the record. Uh, we got a couple of topics. We're going to deep dive into COVID as well. Um, and we're going to talk about Danny Green. Uh, Danny Green uh, has some issues in the media today and um, over the weekend, I should say. And uh, some things I want to talk about there. Uh, we'll talk about Charter's Corner. We'll recap week four. And we'll preview week five. It's Monday night game against the Saints. And watch out for Lakers locker room. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. Watch out for Lakers locker room this week. I consider making this own segment, but I'm going to try to keep it light. I'm going to try to keep it like I still might do a tribute video to the champs this, uh, on my channel, so look out for that. I'm still jostling with it, but uh, Lakers Locker Room is going to be live in the cut. So if you want to fast forward to that segment, look in the description. Timestamps are there. All you can do is click on the timestamp in the YouTube video, and it'll take you right there if you want to talk about Lakers Locker Room early. And we'll get to the fourth quarter closeout. We'll, we'll wrap up with that. We'll give out awards for breakout players of the week, lockdown defenders of the week, and big dummy of the week. So stay tuned for that. So let's start off with who's in the news, man. So let's uh, wrap, get right into it, man. Let's go. So let's talk who's in the news. All right, we're going to get into it. We're going to start with the NBA bubble. We're going to get into a quick recap of the NBA finals. The Lakers are the champs of the world. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. I know we were favored to do it, you know, um, when it got to the finals and who we were facing, man, but it wasn't an easy task. You know, uh, you know, there were some doubts in in the particular situation when uh, they took that uh, second game off of us. And, uh, you know, I was concerned because we were – a little bit lackluster in game five. I mean, defensive was sluggish. You know, we were kind of just hoping they would just lay down. And they, you know, I mean, you should know by now the Heat are not going to lay down for anybody. They're a tough, gritty team, man. And Duncan Robinson was hitting three after three after three that was pissing me off. I was just like, how does this kid keep making these shots? I mean, he could probably shot it from the pond outside and it would have been good. You know, but, you know, so we definitely, definitely grinded out. I mean, I think they were, um, 
really riding on and feeding off his Jimmy Butler's energy in game five, and they definitely gave us problems, um, you know, from start to finish from pillar to post. And we still was in it, you know, despite, you know, Jimmy Butler's, you know, virtuoso performance, man. It was great. I mean, he had triple-double, 40-point triple-double, I think, 38. First one was 40, the second one was 38. You know, and he was just facilitating. But Bron won't go on a shot away from the moment. I mean, we're talking, you know, I mean, he made six threes, I believe. And, you know, he they were going toe-to-toe. It was Ali Frazier. It was Ali Frazier, man. You know, it's just the only issue for us is that our supporting cast was buns, you know, in the game five. Let's be real. You know, we couldn't count on much of anybody, you know, and AD was hobbled, you know, towards the middle of the, towards the middle to the end of the game. And, you know, it was rough, you know, trying to get a bucket outside of anybody, but that was, wasn't LeBron James. I mean, let's just be real. And like I said, you know, Tyler Hero was hitting clutch shots. Duncan Robinson was hitting clutch shots. You know, you know, Bam came back. You know, he was trying to, you know, make his mark and trying to get back into the series. You know, it was rough, man. Like I said, even still, we had a chance to win the game at the end. Down one, you know, Barnes drives right, you know, gets draws a double team, kicks it out to a wide open Danny Green in the top of the key, and he front ends it, you know. So we had to fight for another game. But that game six, boy, we're talking, you know, just a, just a onslaught of, you know, from start to finish. Like, you know, they were not going to be denied in this one. You know, and I praise, you know, this coaching staff and the team as well for adjusting and recognizing what their energy level was like in game five and it needed to change the game six, and they did it, man. And they did it. So, shots out to the L.A. Lakers for being world champions of 2020. Team of Destiny, we did it for Kobe. The job is finished, man. The job is finished. But, like I said, pay attention to the Lakers locker room, man. I'm going to go really deep into it and get all my details and give you everything I feel like happened throughout the series. And uh, we look forward to, you know, in, you know, next coming season, whenever they decide to restart the season. So, but the bubble was definitely a success. You know, shout out to Adam Silver and the NBA and, and the Players Association for getting these things done and doing it right and not having one positive test of COVID throughout this entire length of the bubble. Take notice, NFL. With that being said, we're going to segue right into the NFL. We're going to talk about it. The NFL got more COVID cases this week. Um, the Titans still dealing with their issues. Uh, they didn't play last week, and they got pushed out way out to a Tuesday night game, which I'm not beefing with. I mean, honestly, you got to get football on a Tuesday. But, you know, it's one of those things where you have to realize that your plan isn't working, man. Your plan isn't working. You know, I almost want to say now, you know, if if Disney was able to do it, you know, let them draw up 32 fields of, of football fields and, 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 a, and a hotel stays and, you know, a big – you know, elaborate, you know, stay where people can stay at and just put every 32, all the 32 teams in the bubble and let them play on one section of a field every week, you know, just to make it. But, you know, it's a pipe dream at this point. But, you know, the Titans got issues with their cases. They just keep going up and down. They keep having to close and open their facilities. You know, another coach came up with it. You know, they got to have a, not to have a positive test in the, or through a certain amount of time in order to play. The Pats got issues. Cam came down with it. A bunch of other people did. Uh, Gilmore came down with it as well, which – there's a question about the Chiefs because they played them, you know, Monday night and, you know, they everybody showed in the media how Stephon Gilmore hugged Patrick Mahomes, you know, after the game and all this stuff and, you know, whether or not the Chiefs going to be affected. You know, that thing's probably like wildfire, man. Y'all just have to understand, you know, how detrimental this thing is. And you have to realize that they, you know, it could just, it, it can spread over drop a hat and it just, and it spreads literally like wildfire. You know, and how wildfires are so uncontrollable. This thing is uncontrollable, man, if you don't get your handle on it early. 
you know, and again, I, I, I compared these two organizations, you know, at great length in my previous podcast. I did. And it, and it ranks true again. The NBA has a great plan. They had a great, you know, focus on how to keep this thing at bay. And the NFL doesn't. And I, I question it from the gate. I question NFL's stance versus the NBA stance. NBA had it all had it all figured out. NFL still fumbling, man. Literally still fumbling. You know, and I feel like it's gonna get worse before it gets better. You know, because you know, you're looking at it from a standpoint. We in the somewhat warm weather right now. When it happens, when it gets cold, people start having natural colds and flus and stuff like that. Is that gonna make it spike? You know, and you don't have the ability to, you know, you know, you know, have a heated heated environments where you can kind of, you know, alleviate these things. You know, and the Jets now, the Jets are having issues now. They got people coming down with this. You know, it, just, it came to the point where they had to really, they was going to make the Patriots play on Monday night again, but now they had to push their game entirely. So the, the Patriots not playing this week. Their game was rescheduled. Titans game got pushed. The pass game got rescheduled. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild, wild west, man. And then we only in week five. We only in week five, man. And NFL got to do something different, you know, and I don't, or I, was, I don't think we're going to make it, you know, and it's like I said, it's just, it's nerve wracking, you know, from, a player perspective, it has to be, you know, because you just don't know. You just don't know, you know. And I, and I hate to bring politics into this, you know, but it's just weird how the NBA handles it a certain way when a certain Democratic Party has handled it. I said it. I, I did. A certain, you know, Democratic Party has a way of handling it and they want to be safe. And you have the radical Republicans in the NFL want to have, you know, just everybody do their own thing and be willy nilly and things spreading and spreading and spreading and everybody's coming down with it. And, you know, there's no end in sight, <laughs> you know, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. But regardless, regardless of that, man, you know, um, I just hope that, you know, we can keep this thing at bay, you know, and get better before it gets worse. You know, I hate to say it. I mean, we'll actually ask what, you know, the question, whether how worse, worse can it get at this point? Cause it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, just across the world, not just in NFL and sports. It's just bad, you know. And, you know, I don't really cover hockey, you know, but, I mean, from my understanding, the hockey situation, too, when they completed their season, they didn't have a positive case either. NBA, nor the NHL had a positive case, but NFL's got things going crazy. So, hey, man, I just hope you got to do better. But I got some news to break, too, about that that's going to probably make things worse. You know, if anybody has to face this particular team coming up, but I will talk about that in a minute. Um, some hot to, hot topics, breaking news for from a coaching perspective. Um, Bill O'Brien got fired this week. <laughs> the Texans, former Texans coach, um, he's now a free agent. Uh, he got let go from the Texans this week after they went zero and four. Um, I kind of saw this coming, man. I mean, to be honest, which I kind of saw this coming because. And I think he, I think he started to write his own way out after he traded DeAndre Hopkins. To be honest with you, you know, I'm not sure what the management, you know, thinks about the the trade or decision because I think, you know, he was functioning as GM because I don't think they still at this point I still don't think they have a GM. But regardless of that, you know, him doing that and them seeing how different their offense is without him, you know, and how how much they are struggling without him, you know, I'm not saying one big one player is bigger than the team, but he was the glue, you know. You know, and Deshaun Watson was not happy when they he when they uh let him go. He was not happy. I mean, you look at the social media and tell he was not happy. And it shows. It shows. I mean, not to say he don't have love for the other guys, but man, he misses DeAndre. And Kyler Miller is loving the fact that he has him. Cause every time he's had a big game practically, they've either won or been in the game all the way to the end. So 
he's a difference maker, man. Let's just be real. You know, and it was all over some contract dispute, you know, which the Cardinals didn't have a problem with doing, you know, so he's locked up for them for quite some time. But, you know, that, you know, that was your ultimate, you know, last straw and your your slow start made it worse. And so they elevated Romeo Cornell to interim head coach. And um, <laughs> ironically enough, they got their first win <laughs> under Romeo. Um, so, hey, man, you know, what can you say? You know, was it really the coach? Was he the toxic, you know, entity that was causing them to be, you know, lackluster or what? You know, Brandon Cooks had a good game. I mean, yeah. Hey, so we'll see what happens next week. We'll keep track of it. But that's uh, that's it for Bill O'Brien. And sub- subsequent news, this just happened today. Uh, your boy Dan Quinn got fired today. <laughs> Arthur Blank decided to pull the plug finally after they blew yet another game. <laughs> ooh-wee, ooh-wee, uh, yeah. Poor Falcons, man. Poor Falcons. It's rough to be a Falcons fan, I swear. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say they act like the Chargers are, you know, Super Bowl contenders at this point, but, you know, it's rough. I mean, you lose to a Panthers team that's rebuilding, you know. And it was a tight game. It was a tight game, but they gave it away again, and they're now 0-5. So, yeah, Dan Quinn had to go, buddy. So he's on out the door. I'm not sure if he, uh, you know, was able to pack his bags or they had him ready for him when he got back to the facility <laughs> after they lost in Atlanta. But Teddy Bridge and them company and them boys came in there and uh, decided they were going to take this victory and uh, take his job along with him. So Dan Quinn's out in Atlanta. They haven't decided who's going to elevate as a new head coach, but we'll see how that rolls. So, yeah, we got two coaching changes and um, in the midseason, you know, for at the quarter pole practically, week four, week five, they're gone. So let's talk about a couple of games that's happened this week that are very interesting. Uh, the Bears on Thursday nights with Nick Foles as the, you know, I'm going to say, you know, confident starter for the rest of the season after he got elevated in, in the middle of the game last week, you know, came in to uh, face his old uh, buddy, uh, Tom Brady. And we know the last time they really faced off – with a meaningful game, you know, Nick Foles took a Super Bowl trophy off of uh, Tom Brady. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, Tom has a little bit of an issue with Nick Foles because they beat the Bucks this time again. And, you know, again, I, I, the enigma that is the Chicago Bears because they win and they win ugly, but they win. You know, decent to solid defense. You know, offense is tricky. You just can't run the ball at all. But somehow or another, they scrappy and they figured out a way to win. And they took their bucks to the wire and they beat them uh, in a late second field goal. Tom had a chance at the end with a few minutes, with a minute and so change on the clock, but he couldn't get it done. Didn't realize it was fourth down. A lot of controversy going on in Tampa, you know. I tell you, and I'm going to this going to segue into my next topic about, uh, about the Patriots. But is it true? I mean, if you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, is it really true that they wanted to separate themselves, be Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to see who could do better on their own? Bill Belichick to me is winning this battle because Tom Brady's been up and down. You know, we still got a lot of season left, but right now Tom Brady's winning the battle in my opinion. I mean, Tom Brady's losing the battle in my opinion because Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick and he's just going to be that guy that's just going to be a different and go do things different and just going to be a mystery, but he gets results. But Tom Brady and Bruce Arian system is a little bit different. And like I said, the Bears beat them, you know, and they they shaky. And they, it's a topsy-turvy issue in the NFC South. You know, I thought the Saints and the Bucks were going to run away with it. And you got the Panthers in there fighting for it. You know, of course, the Falcons are 0-5, but 
I'm, you know, the first three teams are all, you know, virtually tied. So, yeah, man. Top to every world, man, in the South. Top to every world. So, so we're going to segue into Bill Belichick. Let's talk about Bill Belichick for a minute. Now, Mr. Belichick, to me, you know, I have to give him credit. I, I don't you – know, I have my issues with Bill Belichick because, especially from a, you know, scandal perspective because, you know, I feel like it cost my Chargers a title, you know, in the 2000s, right? You know, when LT was still with us in the Spygate year, you know. Um, you know, we're up 21-7 at half, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's a whole different team we're facing in the second half, and they just blitzed us in the second half, and we didn't score again. You know – you know, of course, everybody, you know, that's a Chargers Nation took issue with that. However, you know, I have to give the man credit from a coaching perspective. I mean, I'm a person that's, that's a fan of his teams, right? But I also will give credit what credit's due from a player and a coach perspective. You know, I, I, I am and used to be a coach. You know, I, I am and used to be a player. So, you know, I get it and I get both sides of it. And I have to give Bill Belichick his credit, man. I really do. Because what he was able to do from a defense perspective against the Chiefs on Monday night, was was amazing to me. I just knew they were going to get dogged. I just knew they were going to get ran over. I knew they were going to get, you know, point after point put up on them, especially with no Cam Newton, right? I just knew it. I said, who's going to stop the Chiefs offense? But Bill has an uncanny ability in the, you know, 20 odd years or whatever he's been the coach of the Patriots. Uh, has been, has always figured out a way to do something different that you're not expecting, you know? And to this day, people haven't figured him out. You know, and him to spot that offense, that Chiefs offense, the way he did and nobody else has done in the entire length of the NFL, you know, it's amazing. You know, and I think that he has to give Bill Belichick his credit for being a, a evil genius. Like, he really is an evil genius. You know, and subsequently from that, I think that the Raiders took a page out of their, his book and they upset the Chiefs this week. You know, they put up a lot of points. You know, and I keep telling people, I said, Chiefs' defense is not good. <laughs> I keep saying it. They're not good. But the offense puts so much pressure on you from a team perspective. I mean, you have to feel like you have to keep pace, so it automatically gets you out of your game. But the Raiders and the, and the Patriots true to form. And if they had Cam Newton when the Patriots played the uh, Chiefs, I feel like I feel like I could have bet good money on the fact that the Patriots would have won that game, and I'd have been right. But – the Raiders came in. They took, I feel like they almost took a page out of Bill's book and decided they were going to play them somewhat the same similar way. And they got after them. It was a shootout. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and act like the, uh, the Chiefs didn't put up points. But it was the Raiders, you know, in Kansas City <laughs> of all places. It wasn't, in, it wasn't in Las Vegas. It was Kansas City. And they beat them by eight, you know. And that's only because the Chiefs got a late touchdown. You know, they got eight at the end, but they put up 16 early, you know, from the Raiders' perspective, and they got after them real good. And let's say the 40 to 32, but the Raiders get the W. So, you know, is it a method of they, you know, people are starting to catch on on what works on the, on the Chiefs, you know, from what the Patriots did to them? Or is it just a couple of anomalies and they're going to get it together next week? We'll talk about it. Now I'm going to bring it up next week too. This is just a, just a follow-up on it, but I think – you know, having, you know, a close victory against the Patriots and a loss to the Raiders is going to have them rethinking things. You know, I think that um, Andy Reid and, you know, the enemy and those guys going to have to retool and redo things differently because if you get predictable, you're going to lose in the league. That's just what it is. So, yeah, man. So I, I'm going to give Bill Belichick his flowers. So being an evil genius, if that's right, maybe black flowers. I don't know. But 
you know, and the Raiders give them kudos as well for upsetting the Chiefs. I didn't call that game. I just knew the Chiefs were going to beat them and blow them doors off, and the Raiders were in it to win it, <laughs> you know. And the Raiders didn't make it too, man. Like, you don't know what you, who you're going to get. We, we, they beat the Saints, they beat the Chiefs, but they lose to other teams, and that's what they lose to. Weird and weird and more weird. <laughs> John Gruden, you're a weird beard, man. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. But, yeah, man, you know, that's, that's what it was, so. Let's talk about Dak Prescott real quick, man. You know, I definitely want to give my, you know, uh, condolences to him for having this injury, man. He broke his ankle, compound fracture of his ankle, and it was bad. And it looked bad. And I saw it live, and, you know, I think the world felt it, you know. And I want to say this, too, you know, just from an overall perspective. I think, you know, as much, you know, hatred and, and division and divisiveness we have in this country, you know, I do give people credit for – understanding and appreciating and really pulling for good people because Dak Preston's kind of a good guy. You know, Cowboy fans in a certain regards get on my nerves. The team is the self doesn't really get on my nerves. It's the fans in certain regards. They get on my nerves, but Dak Prescott is not one of them people. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't bother me at all. He's a really good guy. And I think that he got a raw deal, you know, and it's one of those things where he was on a franchise tag. So it's really dicey about his future. You know, and I wish he would have got his deal done prior, prior to this. He wouldn't have to worry about this. But, you know, some people are saying he might have be he might be done as a cowboy. And, you know, is he going to be back? And, you know, how is he going to do in his recovery? How long is the recovery going to be? You know, what, you know, depending on how the Cowboys situation shake out now from a record perspective, being Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. Is it going to be a situation where they might draft a quarterback at this point? Because they have a high draft pick. It's a lot of unknowns, man. But I, I wish Dak Prescott a speedy recovery and a quick recovery. And he'll come back stronger than ever. And I'm sorry that happened to you, brother. And I wish you the best in, in your uh, rehab, man. I hope you get better soon. So let's talk about Miami, man. Let's talk about the Dolphins. The, I want to say the head official, either to be the mayor or the governor of Miami. I'm not sure how that works. But, you know, I'm not a big politic, you know, position guy i don't know how the state to state works i mean i know what my state does but that's not about it um but you know they decided as a either state or city that miami was fit get this they were fit to allow a full stadium of people in their in in their arenas from here on out and that's on top of the fact that the the, the cases in florida as a whole have gone up and they keep going up Right, because they're not being responsible enough in this state to uh, to to curb this pandemic, to curb this uh, rise in this pandemic. You know, they not flattening the curve at all. As a matter of fact, they're elevating the curve. But yet again, how how you know backwards are you to uh, to give them approval to say that you can have a full capacity of sixty thousand more people in your stadium when you have home games? Now, thank God that they didn't have a home game this week because I don't, I don't even want to know exactly how many people would have shown up to this arena talking about they wanted to watch Dolphins football. But the idea of that to me is just ridiculous, you know, in its own right. You know, I, I can't even fathom it. I mean, you got people, you got people in certain states that have lowered their numbers drastically and they still don't have any fans. Just for the safety of their players and the fans themselves, right? On top of the fact that you've had people in Kansas City and other places that have come down with this being in the stands and they've been social distancing in the stands. 
So you want to compact and, and pack in an entire stadium worth of people and be the only ones to do it in the whole league. For what purpose? Like you're endangering the lives of everybody in the stadium. You and everybody else, you, you're you're in grave danger of coming down with this deadly disease. And that seems right and smart to you. I mean, come on, bro. I mean, come on. Again, fumbling, freestyling, fumbling, and you're putting the whole entire league in jeopardy because you're not only affecting, because this only really comes to a head on game day. So you're going to, you're going to put another team at risk anytime you have the home game. And and lo and behold, the Chargers have to play the Dolphins this year. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm going to hate to see it. I would hate to see it. You know, regardless of what they did to the 49ers today, I'm going to hate to see the fact that they're going to have to, uh, if they have a full stadium in, in that. And just the lack of intelligence, I'm going to say it that way. Lack of intelligence people are going to have when it comes down to filling the stadium up, even at half capacity when you have a ridiculous incline in your numbers of COVID cases, even now in October, and we've been going through this since February, March, we're just not being smart. Well, the Miami, I'm just not say we, Miami's just not being smart. And I hope that people in the Miami will be smart enough to say, I'm just going to stay home and watch the game on my own television, better experience. And I can have the rest of my life, but we'll see. We'll talk about it as the weeks go on. So, Last segment before we get out of who's in the news is uh, the team to watch out for. And I and I, I, I really spin my wheels and my gears about this situation because, you know, and I have a hold on not the mush because I think uh so okay, I think if we go back and review this, no, I'm not because the Steelers won the day. So I picked the Steelers last week, but I did jinx the Cardinals because the Cardinals lost after I, I talked about them. But um, you know, at least the Bears are safe for this week because they have already beat the Bucks. But um, I want to say the team to watch out for next is the Bears, man. I mean, like, again, I'll go back to referencing what I said earlier. They went ugly. You know, they have a solid defense. And Nick Foles is Nick Foles, you know. Running game is, you know, non-existent. But they still find ways to win, man. So we'll see. I mean, we're talking about, you know, they really battling, you know, the Packers for division pre-supremacy right now. And, you know, so how is that going to shake out? You know, I'm going to really love to see this game when they do play the – Packers and how that really shakes out because I'm going to love to see, you know, who's the real deal and who's fake. But look out for the Bears, man. The Bears are surprisingly 4-1 and one and uh, at, at the five-week mark. And um, <laughs> we're going to see what they do down the stretch. And Nick Foles is the confident starter. You know, Mitchell Jabisky looks like he's lost his job for good. And, hey, man, will the Bears make the playoffs? That is the question. So that's going to wrap up people's in the news, man. Stay tuned for For the Record. We're going to talk about some interesting topics in that as well. And, uh, yeah, be prepared to uh, talk about a thing or three in that because it's definitely going to be interesting as it is always. So stay tuned for, who, uh, for, for the Record. It's Lockdown Divas Podcast. All right, and we're back for For the Record. This is the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I am your host, Coach Defense. Uh, we're going to talk about three quick topics today. I'm not going to um, go deep into um, some heavy-hitting things today. Uh, I think I want to focus more on 
uh, talking about the Lakers championship, to be honest with you, I'm going to definitely have a longer extended Lakers locker room this week. So pay attention to that and recapping the Lakers run to the title. But there's some serious topics I want to talk about real quick. Um, I want to talk about voting first and foremost. I think I want to uh, let everybody know that voting is very important. Uh, November 3rd, um, vote early if you can. Um, pay attention to your voting uh, brochures and your literature and where you can vote because certain polling places are not open like you normally would think or assume. So make sure that you validate and verify where you can vote and make sure you're registered to vote and make sure that you are going to vote either early or on the day of voting. Um, you know, whatever it takes. I uh, understand that if you postmark your mailing uh, absentee ballot, um, longest postmark of the day of the election, it will count. Uh, if you vote early, make sure you get, um, you know, validation that you have voted. And, uh, you know, make sure your vote counts, man, because this is a very important election. It really can turn the tide of this country and, and maybe kind of lean it towards where we want it to be because it's really taking a lot of step backwards in the last four years. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try to convince you to vote a certain way. Um, although if you know me, you know more I stand with, you know, my issues in this country, but, um, I will implore people to, regardless of which, um, you know, who you vote for, but vote for your interests, man, you know, understand who you voted for and vote somebody that can closely, as closely as possible relate to your issues. Um, if you have issues with whatever, and if that person supports it, and I'm just not just talking about the president and the vice president and things of that nature, your congressman for your state, your local congressman, your local senators, your local representatives, your local government, your local governors, mayors, and, you know, county and local officials, you know, your judges, you know, all those things matter, you know. They, those things can really affect your life, you know, in a situation where if you have a run-in with the law and if the wrong people are in power, they will just, you know, they can just stick things to you that don't belong to you. You know, and that's been a problem for quite some time. You know, the wrong people have been in power and they are, they really don't have a inkling or care about the common person, you know. So we have to elect people that have, and, and most, you know, at least from face value, have, you know, the idea of the common person or the regular person that votes for them and pays their, you know, biddings through their taxes, you know, have uh, compassion and empathy for them. So get out and vote, man. Get out and vote. You know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say you should vote for any particular person, you know, from any level. I'm just saying to vote your interest and vote and make sure your vote counts and make sure it's counted. And we don't have any issues with um, people not voting, you know, the status out there that only 60% of people voted last, you know, big election. And that's got to change. We got to get to 100%, man. You know, if you're allowed to vote, you know, there's no issue with you not being able to vote, which, you know, we can talk about voter suppression all day as well. But, you know, if you definitely have a voice and can vote, please do. Please do. All right. So we'll talk about COVID next in the NFL. Uh, I talk about this, you know, in pretty depth in, in who's in the news, but I want to talk about it again. You know, because it, it it bears mentioning because, you know, I I I I toiled with this and I battled with this issue. You know, when they talked about bringing back the NBA and the NFL and the NHL and the MLB, you know, was it worth it? You know, and I was hoping that they would if they did bring it back. Because I mean, you know, I'm in a sports arena. I do podcasts. I do sports. You know, entertainment. 
you know, so it does help me, you know, for, to have something to report on. Right. But that doesn't hold weight for me over people's lives and their health. It doesn't, you know, so I didn't really care. I mean, you know, honestly, truly, this was really prime time for me because I was really starting my podcast when this whole thing dropped off, you know, when COVID dropped in our laps. And, you know, so I was like, well, I just have to delay it if we don't have any sports and that's fine. You know, I have an issue with it, you know, but the idea of what your plan was to bring it back was, you know, very off-putting from an NFL perspective. You know, I was worried. I was worried about it all, you know, even if the NBA's plan would work, but they plan made more sense logically than NFL's did. NHL's as well. I mean, I didn't really get into the NHL's plan, but, you know, their plan worked. NBA's plan worked. NFL's plan is failing drastically. And I'm concerned and I'm, I'm really troubled by the idea that more and more people, you know, regardless of these athletes being tip-top shape and this and the third and the fallacy of the, the tip-top shape and people in shape that don't really don't have anything to worry about is a lie, you know. And I, I don't want it to be a situation where you have to wait for somebody to get drastically sick or, God forbid, die so you realize that's a fallacy. Anybody that's, you know, wrong for this thing, you know, if you're a Marvel person, let's look at it from a Venom standpoint. Like, you know, it was a symbiote that only took on the host that it liked in order to be in order for it to be kept and not you know for not, for not, not to kill you you know that's kind of like what COVID is you know it's one of those things where if it doesn't like your body it doesn't like your host that it embodies that it encompasses it'll just kill you you know and you know and you don't want to be one of those people that it doesn't like you know so you don't want to run a risk of being being come in contact with this particular virus or this disease you don't want to come in contact with it if you don't have to because it could, you don't know what the outcome can be. You could be fine. You could not be fine. You know, I still feel like the people that have gotten sick at all are still going to have some residual issues down the line. Like we could be talking about this five, six years, 10 years down the line that people are having adverse reactions to their COVID symptoms. You know, I mean, it all really just depends on what they do from a vaccine perspective. But, you know, anything that bothers your blood, your respiratory system and all those things, has lasting effects. I'm a person with asthma and sleep apnea. So I know what it's like to have respiratory issues. And that's not something that you want, man, at all. You know, air is very, very, you know, needed commodity that people, you know, take for granted every day. But you, but you don't want to know what it's like not to be able to get free air, man. You don't. That's why I take as much as precautions as I do, because I don't want to be that person that has to be, you know, feeling like he has an asthma, he's having an asthma attack every moment of the day. It's not fun. I spent too many years in the ER and as a kid to not being able to breathe. So trust me, I appreciate that my ability to be able to breathe freely. And you should too. And NFL should too. Because the way they're treating their players and their, and their ability to deal with this virus is not working. It's not working. And at this point, what can you do to change it? You know, I don't know, but I really feel like they should make some drastic changes. You know, you know, at least, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, but something needs to change if you expect to make it to week 17 in the playoffs. You know, if nothing else, if you may, if you're able to manage it enough in week, you know, leading up to the playoffs, when people start getting to the playoff push.
maybe you should isolate them then, at least for the playoffs, to preserve the fact that they're going to be able to finish the playoffs if they, if we make it that far. Because it's not looking good. Like I said, the, the, the Jets got issues now. The Pats got their issues. The Titans got their issues. And they come into contact with other teams, you know, the Chiefs in, in particular, you know. So, uh, NFL, man, I mean, just to see a, such a glowing, you know, positive result that the NBA has with zero cases. The NBA Finals is over. The bubble is over. They're, they're, they're evacuating the bubble now as we speak. And they had zero cases. And they completed their season. They had zero cases. NFL, take notice for the safety and the sanctity of your players, man. Please do. Please do it. Please do it. And the last thing I want to talk about is uh, entertainers, man, um, and how they're uh, treated from a social perspective. Um, game five of the Lakers Heat Series in the finals. Danny Green uh, was um, had the ability to basically secure the Lakers championship in game five. Uh, LeBron James drove the lane uh, with a few seconds left on the clock. I think we had about 10 seconds left on the clock. He drove the lane and uh, he got double teamed and Danny Green was by himself at the top of the key. And uh, LeBron passed him the ball, you know, great basketball play. And Danny was wide open to you know, shoot a three-pointer that would have put us up hopefully for good and gave us the our 17th title. But Danny missed, right? Now, me as a lifelong Laker fan, you know, going on 41 years. I mean, you know, I only give my adult life the credit for being a Laker fan because that's when I really truly understood what it means to be a fan and embrace the idea of being a Laker fan. You know, I mean, because as a kid, you just don't know everything about the game. You just don't. I mean, you can say that you're rooting for this and that and the third, but you don't really understand the ins and outs of, of the game itself. So, your self-awareness really comes when you become an adult and understand. So we at least talk of 20 some years of being a fan. I was upset with Danny Green. I was, and I really feel like he was playing bad, you know, throughout the whole playoffs, you know, on and off. I and mean, he had some, a few stretches here and there. We played decent defense and did, you know, knocked down some key threes, but you know, from a finals perspective, I really felt like he wasn't, he's playing like Lester, you know, but at no point was I mad with Danny Green to the point where I want to give him death threats. Right, death threats. Now, mind you, let's look at the circumstances here. Danny Green, just like everybody else in the NBA, risked their lives for entertainment purposes and to you know pursue their dream of winning the NBA title. Right, you know. So on top of the fact that you know there's a certain you know given risk involved as being an athlete, number one, and then it's added risk of being you know involved with COVID. It's number two, right? Um. So he 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 making all these sacrifices to be a part of this team, right? And um, yes, he missed a shot. It's quite a few people that that miss shots in the NBA. It's not a new thing, you know. Is it's never been a person that's never not missed a shot that's played basketball day in their life. It's never not happened. The greatest of the worst players of all missed shots, you know. Whether it was a crucial shot or not, you know, you can argue the idea of who should have took the shot, and who shouldn't have, you know. But Danny Green was an open man. And he had the opportunity to knock the shot down, and he didn't. You know, you know, I, and I understand. And to be honest with you, and if we if he had missed that shot and we had a loss of series, I really would have hanged my hat on the fact that it was his fault. You know, but yet again, I would have never disrespected this man in any way, shape or form. 
nor would I have, you know, gone to the extreme of, you know, threatening his life or threatening his lady's life for the sack for the sanctity of him hitting or missing a shot that could have could have could have not won them a title. I mean, my problem overall, and it's always it's been since the social media era took off, is that people love to hide behind keyboards and masks and and do things under the cover of of typing and phones and the internet. When in reality, you know, you can't do what these guys do. You can't, you know, hold a candle to their basketball prowess or their skill set when it comes to what they do from an entertainment perspective. But yet you want to criticize them and and maim them and, and belittle them and threaten them as if, you know, you have the right to do any of that. You know, and people love to do these things when in reality had somebody did that to you you would have had a big problem with it. The same people that criticized Danny Green for missing that shot and wanted to threaten him from a, you know, life or death perspective are the same people that if you did somebody threaten even your cat, they want to fight and shoot and kill people. So you can't have it both ways. All right. You can't have it both ways. There's no way. There's nothing in the rule book of life that says that you can have it both ways. You can't say what you want to say and threaten who you want to threaten and not, you know, have the same energy brought to you and you not react to it. So look yourself in the mirror and understand who you are. And if somebody, if you ever, this, if somebody ever was to do this to you, how would you react? And if your reaction is negative and, or, or defensive, then you probably shouldn't utter those words out your mouth, you know, because sooner or later that you may meet that challenge and, you know, I'm sure you won't take too kindly to it. You know, and that brings a lot, you know, I guess you can say it brings a, about a bigger point how people treat entertainers as a whole. You know, you know, you, we, you know, people revere, you know, athletes and entertainers, singers, you know, movie stars, actors, actresses, you know, you name it. anybody's in the entertainment industry, you highly review these people. But you're so quick to berate these people as well as if they're not human beings just like you. They have, I mean, no matter how, look, look at it from your job perspective, you know, no matter how good or bad a job is a job, I'm sure at some point or another, you've made a mistake. You've not done, you've not shown up to work one day when you should have, or you've not completed a task on time, or you've done things that, you know, were, you know, not a hundred percent on the up and up, but you expect the people that entertain you to do be perfect. You're not perfect. So why the hell should you expect somebody else to be perfect, no matter how good or bad they are at their craft? You know, you expect Danny Green to never miss. You expect LeBron James to never not win a game. You expect Michael Jordan to never lose a game and never miss a shot. That's bull. That's bull. And people have to understand that, you know, no matter what, you know, your God-given talent is, you still are human. And to air is human. So understand who you're talking to and realize, you know, if you have, if do nothing, if you do nothing else, do this. Before you decide, this is turning back to Herm Edwards, you know, comment about before you hit send. Before you hit send, read that comment or that post as if somebody was talking to you. And if you're offended by it, you shouldn't hit send.
That's 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 fact. That's facts, not conjecture. That's fact. If you're if you, somebody said this to you, if somebody threatened your girl, threatened your wife, threatened your kids, threatened you with bodily harm in any way, shape, or form, would you have an issue with it? If somebody criticized you for doing your job when they can't do your job themselves, would you have an issue with it? And those questions are those to answer those questions are yes. Don't hit send. Do yourself a favor. Because this whole cyber bullying and death threats and criticizing and being racially insensitive in a lot of times too. Let's add that part to it. It's 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 just just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. You know, and people don't equate the idea of you being in that person's shoes and realizing that they're human and they have lives and they have feelings just like everybody else. They're not robots. They're not, you know, God figures. They're not demigods, no matter how good or bad they are at their craft. They're just like you and they feel and they hurt and they go through things emotionally just like you. They're no different from a human perspective just because they can jump high, run fast or dunk a basketball or catch a pass. We got to do better as a people. And that goes back to my whole idea of voting. Voting is important. Let's be better as a people. Let's get back on track of making this country that we all should love and respect and make it a better country and make it a better place for our ourselves and our future selves, being our kids and our other family and our siblings. So I say all that to say, man, we need to be better. We need to do better. And we need to be better human beings as a whole. Because until we do that, we will never get any further in life and in this country, in this world. And the more hateful it gets, the more destructive and and divisive and damaging we're going to be to each other. And that's not going to get anybody anywhere. So this has been For The Record, man. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Stay tuned for Charter's Corner. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. And welcome back to Chargers Corner. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. So let's talk Chargers news. Let's recap these weeks, man. Uh, we had two epic matchups uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, week four and week five. Uh, going up against legends, man. Going up against legends. Uh, you're Tom Brady and you're Drew Brees. Uh, one and two in pretty much every statistical category there is from passing and wins, Super Bowls, you name it. They have done it. So, you know, we had our work cut out for us, man. I mean, injury bug has definitely bit us hard, you know, and it's seemingly getting worse, not better. You know, um, rainy game in Tampa when we had to go East Coast once again. You know, like I said, I think somebody in the league office hates us about the schedule they're giving us, but uh, it doesn't need to hit over there. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we had to travel to Tampa. Um, some fans in the stands, you know, rainy game. Um, we got off to a hot start. Um, you know, the defense uh, was playing stout. Uh, Tom Brady and them boys started kind of slow. Um, you know, had some turnovers and uh, we capitalized on no turnovers. Got Justin Herbert got going early, and um, you know, we were up 24 to 7, I want to say, going into uh, the half, right? So, um, we like a little time left, you know, under a minute, um, left in uh, the half, and we ain't back to deep in our own territory. And um, Anthony Lynn calls a run. I'm well, 
not gonna necessarily say Anthony Lillard per se, Shane Steichen, whoever that you know was calling the plays at the time, decided to call a run play. You know, I don't know that they were just trying to get us out the half or whatever. But uh, Justin Herbert handed off the ball to Joshua Kelly, and uh, they fumbled the exchange, and and uh, Bucks recovered it, and, and they were basically, you know, in go to go situation, you know, going in before the half, and they got seven, so they made it a ten point game, and we have we have a uncanny ability right now to. Uh, start off hot and fade towards the end. You know, it's like we run the marathon, but, you know, we had run at a sprint's pace. So when we get to that halfway mark of the marathon, we start to wheeze and get tired and, you know, and all that energy fades because we just can't seem to get going um, in the second half like we need to in order to sustain these leads. I mean, our defense is, is okay. It's not great anymore. I mean, it's, you know, we're missing a lot of people on, on defense. I mean, let's just be real. Joey Boss is banged up. Melvin Ingram's completely out. Justin Jones is completely out. Chris Harris is gone. Um, Derwin is gone. So, you know, we're missing a lot of pieces. So we're trying to make do, you know, with what we got. You know, and facing Hall of Fame-type quarterbacks, you can't take your foot off the gas. And that's just simple. Can't do it. You know, and that's one of those things where we have to keep scoring. And, you know, we got, I don't know if we got concerned from a play call perspective or we just weren't making plays or they kind of figured us out in the second half and kind of played us different and we didn't know how to adjust. But one way or the other, you know, because, I mean, I can't make these calls. I mean, I, I know football and this and the third, but I don't know exactly what goes on inside the huddle, what's the play calling, you know, what's the thinking. You know, those are the coaches' decisions. Those are the players' execution points. I, I don't know those things. However, I do know from my eye test is that we have issues in the second half. You know, and typically, you know, in previous years, we've been second-half teams. We've been second-half season teams as well as second-half teams as a whole. So if we start off slow, we typically turn it on in the half. And we totally polar opposite this year. Start off hot, get going early, put up good points in, in the beginning, and then we fade in the, in the end. The defense start giving up points. They get tired. We People start to get injured. We lose people in the middle of the game, you know, and that's happened quite that's I think that's happened in every game that we played. We lost a key person in every game, quite frankly. So, you know, those so that those things happen. And then the defense scrambles and try to get stops. And these, you know, we're not facing rookie quarterbacks. We're facing Patrick Mahomes. We're facing Tom Brady. We're facing Drew Brees, you know, these kind of guys. So they will pick you apart if you don't have the same energy you did in the first half that stymied them or frustrated them in the beginning. So typically that's what happens, and that's what yet again that's what happens. So the Bucks came rolling back. We couldn't run the ball. That was the biggest that was big problem. I mean, you know, and and I, I'll just say we just had our bet on this one because it was um, the Bucks. It wasn't like just any Joe Schmo. The Bucks have the best run defense in my opinion in the whole entire league. You know, them and in the Admirals, I say rival each other from numbers perspective, but just from a personnel and a and a stoutness up front perspective, the Bucks got it, man. So we couldn't run the ball at all. You know, and I give Justin all the credit in the world for being, you know, a kid that's not afraid, not a scared of the moment, and he will throw the ball down the field. He does not afraid, you know, but you can't rely on him throwing the ball with him being inexperienced, you know, 50, 60 times a game. You just can't do it. You know, they're trying that with Joe Burrows, and you see what's happening to him, and I'm worried about him. That's just a side note. I'm concerned about Joe Burrows. So, uh, the Bengals got to do something if they want him to be their franchise guy because he's going to be another Andrew Luck situation if you don't get over that. But that's neither here nor there. Um, regardless, you know, we got to manage the game and have a balanced offense. You got to run the ball. You got to pass the ball a little bit. You got to do things that keep the defense off balance. If they know we're going to come out and pass the ball every rip, they're going to play us a different way. They're going to get it to us. I mean, our offensive line is in flux. So we don't have nobody, you know, that's, that was a you know starter except for Feeney and Lamp. You know, on the line, that's, you know, of good caliber. We're missing Trey Turner. We're missing Brian Balaga. 
you know, missing Mike Pouncey, you know, so you're talking about three Pro Bowl guys we're missing, you know. So we try to make do on the line as it is. So we can't let him sit back there and throw the ball constantly and expect to win games. And that's the issue. So, you know, we came down to uh, the fourth quarter, you know, because they were down a lot. You know, they came rolling back. They took the lead. Um, you know, we took the, we tied the game up and they took the lead again, you know. Um, so we had the ball uh, fourth quarter late in the game. And Justin Herbert, you know, unfortunately tried to, you know, make a play and force the ball into coverage and they got picked off and that was the end of the game. So yet again, we lose to the Bucks. Um, you know what can you say? I mean, you know it, it's frustrating from a Chargers fan perspective because we're in every game. It's not like it's not like we're not in every game. We're there. Like it's you know we're not getting blown out. You know people are not blowing our doors off. It's not one of those things. It's what it's you're in the ball game. You can win. You should win in certain regards. And we just falter from a penalty perspective, turnover perspective. I mean, you name it, we just find ways to lose. And and I hope. You know, and I'm going to get into week five's game in a minute, Monday night against the Saints. But, you know, I just hope that, you know, these tabular miscues don't necessarily cost um, Anthony Lena's job, but it's not looking good. It's not looking good. You know, he just, it's, it's one of those things where no matter how progressive the Spanos family is, in my, in my opinion, you know, I just don't think that, you know, him losing these close games constantly is going to be good for his job security in the long run, you know. I mean, I, I, I'm a little iffy on, you know, Shane Stanky, but, you know, as OC, but, you know, he's up and down for me. But, you know, but I, I like Pep Hamilton as a quarterback coach. I like Anthony as a head coach. You know, he takes care of the running backs. You know, a wide receiver coach, he's, he's, he's okay. You know, I think the coaching staff is pretty decent. So it, I would like to see it build and get better and we correct these issues. But if they don't and we have a whole full season of this, I don't think Anthony Lynn is going to be here much longer. And I hate to say that because I like Anthony Lynn. But, you know, just from a business side of it, and the perspective, you you spending all this money, you have you have all this talent, can't stay healthy, can't win close games like we should. You know, and they're gonna just look at it from a leadership perspective. It's gonna be all on the coaches. It's gonna be head coach's problem, not the players, the head coach. How we executed, what we call plays down the line, and what we did or didn't do to win ball games or lose ball games for that matter. And because we're setting records about how many one score games we've lost, and that's not a good stat. That's not a good stat. But, you know, that's that's where we're at. You know, it's that's where we're at. And we got to correct it. It got to get better. You know, so we're moving on to week five. You know, like I said, we lost to the Bucks, And we have to go another East Coast trip on a Monday night facing the Saints. Um, and the laundry list of injuries come up, you know, because then, you know, it's just a, out of, you know, it's a remiss to bring it up. But, you know, Mike Williams was hurt for the, you know, game against the Bucks, And then Austin Eckler got hurt in the game. So he's out on IR for at least four to five weeks with a hamstring injury. You know, so it doesn't require surgery, you know, thankfully, but he has to heal up. And, you know, hamstrings, hamstring injuries are tricky, especially with skilled players and run, and people that run the ball. You know, it could be healthy when he comes back. It could not, you know, as we really going to have to be running back by committee, you know, from here on out. Um, he can't be the bell cow or the starter. He just has to take his touches where he can get him just so he doesn't re-injure himself. So looking at that from a yet another injury, um, you know, like I said, man, Mike came, comes back for week five and in a, I guess you can say a support, supporting role. You know, he didn't play a lot early, but we lost him, you know, previously. So he was on the injury list that's new, you know, on top of the fact that we are missing Melvin Ingram, we are missing Justin Jones, Chris Harris, you know, Balaga, Trey Turner, like I alluded to earlier. So yeah, let's just keep growing. And these are impact players. We're not talking about role players. These are impact players. So, you know, it's just rough. It's rough, but just withstanding all of that, you know, we still in games. So imagine we had all the talent that we had that's not we we were fully healthy. Imagine that. 
So, you know, but if it was a fifth. Anyway, so moving on to week five, you know, we played the Saints Monday night. And yet again, same same vein and same mode, same attitude that we had against the Bucks, we had against the Saints. Started off fast. And in this particular game, you know, leading up to this week, Justin Herbert was named the starter. Like he was gonna be the starter for the this entire year. Like he well, Tyrod would now be the backup. You know, he's healthy now. You know, and I think that's the right move. I think Lynn made the right move. I don't know if he's you know, because he's he loves Tyrod. You know, he's Tyrod's his guy. You know, but you know, I think that you know, just from a production standpoint, just in in his development and realizing he's the franchise going forward, and he you know he did nothing but you know produce, you know, in losing efforts, you know, but it was largely you know a lot of it wasn't his fault. He put up the numbers, he put up the points. We just can't get no stops on the defense. That's the biggest issue, you know. So he was gonna name the starter, and you know, I was concerned about this game because, you know, will the you know pressure be different or the his mindset be different because he's now the starter he's not he's technically no longer looking over his shoulder you know he can be comfortable and say that i'm the i'm the guy for the charges you know so would it be different and i was i wasn't wrong well i was my, my skepticism was put to bed let me say it that way my skepticism was put to bed because he definitely showed up and showed out early and often in this game uh you know he was you know if he hadn't lost this game i, I would honestly would give him a breakout player of the week because he had a massive performance man you know, four touchdowns, you know. I mean, he had a 77.1 QBR rating, I think. You know, you know, like I said, yet again, it was just in a losing effort. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where he definitely produced. And one thing he did differently from, you know, previous weeks is that he, um, you know, he started, he put up points in the second half because that's been an issue, you know, in previous games that we just can't seem to get things done in the second half. And that's always been our issue, you know, because our defense has really been don't break. You know, it's it's not one of those high-powered offenses where you're going to get what you want to get anytime you feel like it. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You know, so it was one of those things where we had to, you know, manage the game or produce, you know, some decent numbers, you know, from a, um office perspective to keep our defense off the field, number one. And two, we would keep uh, – <laughs> we would keep the – um you know, the scoreboard in our favor, you know, that's all I can really say, you know, but, um, you know, we, we fall hard. I mean, we fall hard. I mean, it's just yet again, you know, coming up short, you know, in, um, fourth quarter, you know, because we, you know, we got stops early, you know, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. I mean, we just can't take anything away from the guy. He's, he is who he is, you know, he is who he is, you know, and I question, you know, whether or not, you know, he was a type of guy that was going to be able to stretch the field, you know, um, on us. But, you know, he put that to bed as well because he had Jerry Cook for uh, a nice long touchdown in, uh, I want to say, in the third quarter. You know, fooled the, you know, the hell out of Nazir Adderley because he got a, he picked him off earlier. So, yeah, I guess he said, well, I got something for that. So, we're going to fix that too. So, <laughs> that's what it was. But, you know, it, it's rough, man, because he's, I mean, Justin Herbert's putting up great numbers. You know, uh, he's put up great numbers. I mean, his, I mean, he set all kind of rookie records. You know, from from a consistent week to week basis, and that's but that was my issue with him. You know, coming out of college, I was like, he's a good, he's a great arm talent, great athleticism. He's something we need that we hadn't had ever since I've been a Chargers fan. Mobile quarterback, strong arm. You know, young, athletic, smart. You know, it's all you know. Few quarterbacks we've had, Drew Brees and and Philip Rivers have lacked one of those kind of things, that mobility, the arm strength, you know, things of that nature. You know, you know, and having them, you know, early enough, and you know, not be, you know, 
I guess you can say, you know, stymied by certain things that were, you know, work or fit today's NFL because the mobile quarterback is what's it, it is it now that you can't get away from not having an old quarterback unless you have a stellar offensive line. And even in that case, it it's it's dicey, you know, because people won't get to the quarterback. You know, but like I said, you know, Herbert had a great game. Two CD four going through the air, twenty to thirty four, four touchdowns. Another masterpiece of performance, but just couldn't, you know, get over the hump because, you know, the first half, you know, <laughs> again, we was second quarter, you know, we were up, you know, missed the field goal, missed the extra point in the beginning score, but, you know, Mike Badgley, yet again, he missed his extra point and missed the field goal that could have won us the game. You know, we're talking about four points taken off the board and we lose by three. I mean, that's just it. That's the difference of the game right there, but, you know, just overall just getting stops, man. Drew Brees had 325 in the air and he had a touchdown. You know, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders tore us up for 122, you know, through the air. You know, so we, we just had a rough time stopping them. And once they got going, you know, once they got going, it was 20 to a 10 at the half. So we were getting down up 10, you know, didn't score in the third, scored seven in the fourth, but they scored 14 in the fourth and three in OT. We we got, they drove the ball, got the ball first and came down, kicked the field goal. We... <laughs> Through a pass to Mike Williams that was short of their sticks and he couldn't get past Lattimore, and it was ball game. So, I mean, I, I it's it's you know it's Jekyll and Hyde with me. Like you know, good on the on the positive side, Justin Herbert looks really good, and I really feel like we got our guy of the future. But in the same breath, we just losing games when we shouldn't. You know, we just losing games when we shouldn't, and you know, I don't know that you know is an indictment on Lynn, you know, or not, but. You know, it's it's one of those things where, man, you gotta at some point you gotta get over this hump and these things gotta change, or they gonna go a different way. You know, I don't know if they're gonna act on it soon or late, but at some point if this keeps happening, they're gonna act on it and he's gonna be out of a job. That's just it. But they fought hard, man. You know, from what we had, they fought hard. You know, I, I appreciate everything that's you know they've been doing. You know, but it's just rough to watch them. You know, same you know record, broken record all over again. Start off good. And falter late and end up losing games. So, but luckily for us, man, you know they had to rearrange the schedule with COVID cases and things of that nature. So we get a bye week to regroup, and hopefully we can, you know, get some guys healthy and get some guys back on the field. And um, you know, I, I'm not gonna say it's a it's a soft schedule, but it's a better schedule. We're not facing Hall of Fame quarterbacks and MVP and Super Bowl winning quarterbacks back to back to back. You know, we ain't doing that. You know, <laughs> every week and. You know, we play, you know, we got the Jets on our schedule, I believe, and where we got the, um, we got the, uh, the, oh, no, I ain't going to say the Bills, because the Bills are playing, playing really good. Uh, who's the other team that I was looking forward to playing that we, uh, that we, um, you know, should be, should have a good game against. So, okay. yeah, so we got the, we got the Jacksonville coming up. We got the Broncos, you know, you know, we got the Raiders who are up and down. The Dolphins who, we don't know who they're going to be up and down. They're up and down. So we might get a stellar performance like you get half from the 49ers. It might get a, uh, you know, terrible performance like, you know, if it's Magic Timmons to have. So who knows? But, you know, um, we got the Falcons. You know, we got some decent games coming down the stretch. So we might be able to make a run. We just got to get healthy. And um, and hopefully we can shore up our defense a little bit better. And we can um, get some stops down the stretch and help our offense in the, you know, and keep them keep the points under twenty and thirty that we've been giving up every week. So but that's gonna do it for Chargers Corner, man. You know, I appreciate everybody that's been listening so far. You know, as always, you know, 
Um, check me out on all our uh, channels. Uh, we got Google Podcasts. We got Spotify, Anchor, and uh, YouTube. So check me out on all of those. Any of those that you get podcasts from, you should better hear this in a segment every week. But um, we're going to get next into uh, the segment of the week, Lakers Locker Room. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. We love it. <laughs> the Lakers, the Lakers, ladies and gentlemen, are your 2020 NBA champions. We did it in six games. We did it in six games, man. It is a, such a gratifying feeling to be a Lakers fan right now. Such a gratifying feeling. For all the things we've endured and all the things we've been through from a personal perspective, from a Lakers perspective, and from tragedy perspective no greater feeling right now to have some type of solace i can (laughs) it's hard to put into words man it's hard to put into words what this title means man i mean it's you know i've experienced you know i want to say 11 now 11 of the 17 in my lifetime i've experienced them you know in one shape or form or another i think the Kobe five and the LeBron one so far that, you know, I've really, really been locked in for. And man, I have to say that this one, you know, 10 years in the making, you know, is very, 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 very fulfilling, man, fulfilling. I'm not going to quantify it and say it was better than the others, but because of so much we've been through and so much we've lost in this particular year of 2020, this one feels good. It definitely feels good. You know, and I say that because, you know, we lost a great one. We lost a great one, man. And I just feel like, you know, at some points in this particular run, man, we're just a team of destiny. You know, we had to do it. We had to do it for Kobe, man. It had to be done. You know, it was only fitting. It was only fitting. Like, there's no way around it. There's no way we can say that, you know, we, you know, gave him – you know, just do for his legacy and what he gave to this organization without having a championship to to say that we did it in the same year, in the same time frame that we lost him. Oh, man, it was, it's, it's such a great feeling, man. Such a great feeling. You know, I mean, you know, I can't. It's mixed emotions for me because, you know, it still it drums up those feelings about the fact that he he passed, you know, in such a tragic way. But... You know, not only that, but losing his daughter, you know, and it, you know, it hit home for me more so than, you know, most people, I think, you know, that didn't know him personally because, you know, I am a lifelong Lakers fan. You know, I'm also a father, you know, former athlete. A lot of things, you know, hold true and hold in common in this situation, man. And, you know, so not only, you know, lose yourself, but your daughter be lost with you. It's just rough, man. You know, and the reports that he was trying to protect her even to this last breath of the crash, man. It's just, it's surreal. And the Lakers did what they had to do and best way they can possibly do it and honor his legacy and his memory and giving him a title, you know, post-mortem, man. It's, it's a great feeling, man. So let's talk about the series itself. Let's talk about the series itself. 
Um, we talked about the first three games um, in the previous podcast. So we're going to talk about games four, five, and six. Game four. Game four was uh, was a back and forth, topsy-turvy uh, game, you know, uh, you know, to say the least. Uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, the Lakers, you know, I don't say toy with them, you know, but I think that, you know, they were realizing they were in a dogfight, you know, and their heat weren't going to give them anything. They weren't going to lay down. You know, they don't, they don't care about how good you are and who you are. And that's been a monster throughout the whole entire playoffs. You know, we don't care what your record was and what your mystique is and who you got on the other side of your court. We're going to come and we're going to play ball. Right. And that's what they did. That's what they did. Now, granted, you know, the games they won versus the games they lost, you know, they were, to me, they were, they were good. They were good, you know, but they weren't, you know, masterful, you know, in the sense where, you know, they got steady production from, you know, their lead dogs. You know, Jimmy was Jimmy and, you know, Tyler played a decent game and Duncan Robinson hitting these crazy threes throughout the whole entire playoffs practically. It was just, I said it before and I said it again, it pissing me off because, you know, it's just like, how is he making these shots? Like, how are you making these shots, man? But he kept doing it. He kept doing it. And he kept keeping them in the game. But I think down the stretch from this particular game, I think the, the difference makers were AD in the fourth and KCP. I take back everything bad I said about KCP in the, season, in the beginning of the season because when it mattered most, when the chips was down, that man stepped up to the plate. And that's a and that's a different kind of animal to me. Like, you know, if you could be good throughout the season and just flounder in the playoffs, then that just means that the moment's too big for you. But if you're just okay in the regular season, but when it, when it comes crunch time and it comes time to get things done, you do them and you get them done, and that's what KCP was for us in game four, man. Like, clutch threes, clutch layups, man, I just can't, I can't say enough about his performance, man. And that really elevated us to be able to go up 3-1 in the series. You know, I think that he definitely was a catalyst in getting this thing done overall, man. You know, and I appreciate his effort and his drive and his the will and desire, man. That's really what it boils down to a lot of things. You know, talent, you know, everybody gets talent. And that rubber meets the road, and you got to come with it. And he did. And I, like I said, man, you know, that guy showed me a whole different side of himself, and I appreciate everything he's done for this Lakers organization up to this point, man. So that was that was pretty much it, you know, for game four. You know, that was pretty much the idea. You know, it was 102 to 96. You know the end in 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 score for that particular game, and um, you know game five was a whole different ball game. Jimmy Butler, you know, decided to do his best. You know, Joe Frazier was pressuring. You know, and he knew that LeBron was Ali, and we was going to fight it to to the depths. You know, LeBron was masterful from three. You know, um, eighty was good. You know, but. Jimmy and Duncan, you know, and, you know, Tyler in certain regards, you know, and Bam coming back like that, that particular um, <laughs> onslaught they gave us, man, was rough. It was rough. Like I said, when Brown was super efficient in this game, super efficient. Like, I mean, he scored 40 points, but, you know, they was just, they, you know, Jimmy had a 35-point triple-double. I mean, come on. He gave us 35 and he assisted on 11 of us. And pour it into our boards. You know, and I think the biggest problem for us, though, was, to be honest with you, you know, I think that our issue with was defense. They were very sloppy. They were out-hustling us. They were beating us to loose balls. We were turning the ball over way too much, just like we did, you know, earlier on in the series. And that came back to bite us, you know. And even still, even still throughout all of that, man, throughout all of that, I think that we still had a chance to close it out in this game. 
you know, several chances that we could have gone ahead because we trailed most of this game. We trailed most of the game, you know, but we fought in tooth and nail in the fourth quarter. We, you know, we were plus three in the fourth quarter, but, you know, we come down to the last shot. It's like 10 seconds left. You know, we were running the offense in the half court. You know, LeBron gets the ball top of the key. He drives. And, of course, everybody knows he's going to cheat, you know, try to get into the lane and take the shot. You know, he gets double team on the right side of the lane. And Danny Green standing wide open at the top of the key. Passing the ball. You know, it wasn't a great pass. He had to knock it down and, and, and get in rhythm to make the shot. He he shoots and he misses. You know, and I said about this in for the record, man. You know, the idea of him getting death threats, man, that's just crazy. Now, he didn't. And I'll talk about his performance in game six, but, you know, he didn't have a great performance in game six either, but he definitely played better. So you just got to understand that those ebb and flows of it, man. You know, I understand the title is very, you know, a coveted moment, but you got to look at it from a standpoint of he's human and he errs just like everybody else. If you ain't never made a mistake in your life, then you may have room to criticize him, but I'm sure that you have, and you have no room to criticize Danny Green for anything, especially you know, threatening his life and things of that nature. That's just, that's just bushly. That's just wild. And that's just out of pocket, man. It's totally flagrant. And anybody that did that really, really, really should take a deep, dark look at themselves and understand that if somebody did that to you, how would you feel? So I'm, I'm happy that Danny Green took the high road and didn't react to it. And, you know, he did what he could do for the team. And I appreciate, you know, all his efforts and the whole entire time he's been with us, man. But, um, you know, like I said, he missed a shot. You know, we lost and lose by three after, you know, a couple of free throws at the end of the, end of the uh, quarter. And, you know, we lost by three, 111 to 108. So that leads us to game six, Sunday night. And, uh, you know, and I, it's weird, too, because Gordon Jordan played in game one and we blitzed him, right? You know, we just ran away with it. You know, it was up by, you know, upwards of 30 or more points in, in and out of that game, right? And then Gordon Jordan comes back for game six and we blitzed him again. You know, um, I mean, what can we say? I mean, 36 to 16 in the second quarter. 36 to 16 in the second quarter. Crazy. Like, I mean, we just ran away with it, man. We just ran away with it. You know, we cruised control in the fourth because it was 35 to 19 in favor of the Heat. So they kind of, you know, brought the lead back down. But, I mean, we had a with a 20-point swing in the eight-point lead going in the first quarter, 28 to 20. Then we had a 20-point margin um in the second half in the second quarter which you know put us up you know what 28 at half you know and we just steadied the course at that point they just couldn't do nothing you know i think that they really shot that shot and, and gave a, they give us their best effort in game five and that was the best they could do and they couldn't re replicate it again you know and i give credit what credit's due jimmy butler played his heart out man you know duncan robinson again was pissing me off with these crazy threes he was making but tyler hero pedestrian you know he didn't really do much Bam, you know, gave what he could give. And Gordon Dragas really couldn't do much. I think he was really hurt more so than he did. But I give him all the credit in the world for trying to fight and trying to play for his team, man. I give him all the credit in the world for that. You know, but in the end of the day, man, the better team prevailed, man. The better team prevailed, man. And I appreciate everything that they did, you know, from, you know, taking the time off and, you know, keeping themselves in shape, grinding out every facet of this title, man, from pillar to post. You know, and like I said, it's a really gratifying title, man. It's a really gratifying title. And it's such, a, it's, it's the one really great bright spot in a, such a tumultuous and depressing and, and evil year that we've had, man. So kudos to LeBron, kudos to AD, kudos to the organization, everybody on the team, you know, Jeannie, you know, Frank, Jason Kidd, everybody, man. We appreciate everything y'all did for us, man. We love y'all. 
and Kobe, we love you, bro. May you rest in peace finally to know that the job is finally, finally done. Lakers 2020 NBA champions. Gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. This has been Lakers Locker Room. We wrapped up the NBA season, man. The NBA season is done. Lakers have did it, man. The Lakers have done it. We appreciate everybody that's been tuning into these segments, man. You know, we'll talk about the future and uh, when we, as we get more news about what the NBA season is going to look like coming next year, we'll talk about it and we'll, we'll recap it. We'll do everything, you know, as far as um, reviewing what we think the Lakers' chances are going to repeat, man. Want to repeat. All right. So, uh, <laughs> what more can you say, man? What more can you say? Lakers in six. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. And this is the fourth quarter closeout. This is the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I am your host, Coach Defense. Let's give out some awards, man. We're going to give out our awards for our Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a good one. All right, man. So let's talk about who our, who our award awards are this week. Uh, this is the last week that we're going to be doing the dual cast for the NBA and the NFL. Uh, so we're going to be solely NFL here uh, since the NBA Finals are over. Lakers and six, baby. Lakers and six. We did it. <laughs> I told you there's going to be some plugs, you know, throughout the uh, podcast to let you know that uh, we happy, man. We did it for Bean. We did it for Bean. May you rest in peace. But, yeah, man, we'll talk about the NBA. Uh, first and foremost, uh, breakout player of the week. Uh, we're going to give our award and give our flowers to uh, Jimmy Butler, man. Jimmy Butler play hard, play, you know, passionate, play great. You know, he gave it all on. He left it all on the court, man. He left it all on the court. He averaged in the last three games of the series. He has twenty three points, nine point six rebounds, and nine point three assists for the series for the last three games of the series. And uh, the next person will be the Finals MVP, Mr. LeBron James. Uh, he averaged thirty two points per game for the last three games, thirteen point three rebounds, and eight point three assists to close out the series and bring the title home to LA. So, shouts out to them boys in the NBA in the bubble and. Everything that the NBA and the, and the Players Association have did to bring that back safely, soundly, and get it done the right way. I applaud everything the NBA has done in that regard, and it's definitely something that should, people should model in trying to figure out how to navigate this COVID crisis and being able to do things but do things safely. I definitely appreciate that. So moving on to the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about this. I had to look at this several times before I, before I actually wrote down the stats, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> Fitz Magic at his finest, at his best, had, did it big this week against the Niners in Niners home. Like did it in San Fran. He had three hundred and fifty passing yards for three touchdowns and a ninety nine point one QBR out of a hundred. Let me say that again: ninety nine point one QBR out of a hundred. That's that's unheard of, especially for him. That's unheard of. So you had to get that man his flowers. Got to give him his award because I don't. He may never see that again out of this guy. <laughs> you know, 
Hey man, you know it's. I don't know if he's trying to go out on his swan song because he feel like two is the next the next guy up. But man, he's he's put he's trying to give a, a few games here in the first five that's you know haven't been duds. You know, so got to give a man with credit with credit's due. And next up, we gonna get a, get a award to Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool tore up the Eagles this week for <laughs> seven receptions for 107 yards and four total touchdowns. He's caught three and he ran one in. So hey man, it's not much better that you gonna get out of this out of that performance from a receiver in that in that regard. So yeah, we gonna give Chase Claypool a breakout player of the week for the NFL as well. And lockdown the field of the week, we gonna give it to Anthony Davis hands down, bro. We gonna give it to him because he stepped up his play, especially in the last three games. He stepped up his defensive play, hurt or not, he stepped it up, did it big. Uh, multiple block games, multiple steal games, on top of having pointing double digit rebounds practically every game. We're going to give it to him, man. He's the lockdown the field of the week. 36 total rebounds, five steals, total steals, and nine total blocks in the last three games of the closeout. Games four, five, and six, those were his numbers from a defense perspective. And he did the daggone thing, man. He did the thing, and he brought it home for us. And last but not least, you know, it's almost a broken record. You're almost going to give this guy, you know, automatically auto award every week. But Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald had four total tackles, four solo tackles. Four tackles for loss and four sacks in the game against the Washington football team. Man, four quarterback hits, of course, because he had four sacks. So, yeah, he did it. I mean, there's not many people that's going to get four sacks in the game. There's not many people get one. So, four sacks in one game? Oh, yeah, he was just giving the football team's offensive line fits like he does to everybody else. You know, just to, just to see what him and Khalil Mack do to a certain offensive linemen, how they ragdoll them, it's just – it's a thing of beauty from a defensive perspective, but man, I know offensive coordinators and old line people just shake their head and be like, man, it's going to be a long day, bro. It's going to be a long day. But to everybody that won awards, man, we're going to give y'all credit for being, being, being players and being all stars, man. <laughs> now, on to the big dummy of the week award. And to nobody's surprise, it should be, although I'd spoken this at length throughout the podcast, it's going to be the Miami Dolphins organization and the government of Miami for allowing a full stadium capacity to be had from a home game perspective for the Dolphins going forward. <laughs> That's not safe, even if your cases are completely down. But to add insult to injury or add idiocy to injury, let me just put it that way. You have uh, rising cases in this whole state of Florida, period. So your numbers are going up, but you decided it was wise to allow for them to have a full capacity, or at least 60,000 per people in the stadium, shoulder to shoulder practically with each other, because there's no way you can cram 60,000 people in the stadium without have people being closer than 6 to 12 feet from each other. And that was smart. <laughs> that was smart. Yeah, okay. So let's pray for not only the Miami Dolphins team and their staff, but let's pray for anybody that has to go to the Hard Rock Stadium in order to uh, play the Miami Dolphins because it's not looking good. It's not looking good. As if the NFL wasn't tripping off itself already and allowing people to make up their own minds and not having a solid, clear-cut plan for everybody. You know, this is just making matters worse, and it's going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. This rescheduling, this, you know, having issues with COVID cases and stuff like that is going to continue to happen because we have things like this going on, man. We have things like this going on. And and until you play the safe card versus the reckless card, you're always going to have these issues. Always going to have these issues. And 
I hate to say it, man, but you know, <laughs> NBA making y'all look bad. NBA making y'all look real bad because they had zero cases in the three months that they've been in that bubble. Zero cases. So did NHL. But you clowns that are making decisions that are detrimental to the health of your team and your public and your fans, it's just idiotic, idiotic. And I just can't I can't bless that at all. So to the Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins organization and the, and the government of Miami, you get the Big Dummy of the Week award. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it, man. That's gonna wrap it. We gonna get out of here. Appreciate everybody listening to the podcast in its entirety. Always be on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. Check me out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere pretty much that you can get podcasts from. Search Lockdown Defense Podcast. It should come up. In the meantime, between time, I am your man, Coach Defense. I'll see you next time for episode 10. And also, remember, weekly uh, recaps are on Fridays at 11 a.m. And weekly picks are 11 a.m. on Sunday. As well, the podcast going live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. So check that out. In the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.